Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox, where we discuss the tools we utilize every day. Yours to use or toss, it's up to you. But I hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to Tools for the Toolbox. I am Chance Brills, as you know, and I have another outstanding guest here, but I'm gonna let him introduce himself as always. So who are you and what is your military background? Uh, well, my name's Toby Miller. Uh, I did 15 years as a signaler in the, in the forces. Uh, the last six, I guess, about were uh, as a SOSIG for CSOR. Uh, mm -hmm. three, three tours in Afghanistan. Uh, I was on uh, the protection party for Task Force Commander Kandahar, uh, General Thompson, for about uh, 11 months on my second tour. And uh, I was wounded in 2011 on my 41st birthday. <laughs> and, uh, that was fun. Yeah, and uh, no more no more fireworks on my birthday allowed. <laughs> and then uh, we, uh, I, they retired me in 2016. Okay. And what do you do now? Uh, I'm retired. Actually, we were moving to Belize uh, two years ago. This in March, two years ago, sold everything we owned, our house, uh, everything except my Harley and a and a few, a small six by twelve trailer full of personal effects. And we got to the U.S. Mexican border, and Belize shut down due to COVID, and we had to turn around and come back to Canada. And uh, <laughs> and so we headed north. To find an Airbnb, and we lived uh, a lifetime in Saskatchewan one winter, <laughs> and then uh, and then back to British Columbia, and now we've sort of settled back in here, and we're riding out COVID and figuring out uh, what's the plan now, right? What? Yeah, where to go? Fuck. Yeah. Ah. So I mean, I spend most of my time. Uh, I got two great dogs, and I got a wife who's a, a vet as well. Uh, she yeah. uh, was um, uh, intelligence. And uh, she's heard all the jokes. And then, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I try to do some advocacy when I can, and that's about it. Wicked. retired life. So, <clears throat> from when you got injured to when you got out was how long? Uh, I think I did about, well, I mean, after my recovery. So, when I got injured... Uh, it was an IED on a foot patrol. My, yeah. uh, our dog handler stepped on it uh, about five feet off my shoulder. Mm. Um, and I came away with three dead spots in my brain. Uh, I've got uh, osteoarthritis up all my left-hand joints. Um, I've got uh, PTSD, obviously, nightmares, all the psych trauma that goes with it. Yep. So we sort of messed around with that stuff for, I think, about a year. And then I... Uh, I did a little traveling as a Niner attack for CSOR's commanding officer. Um, did some time in Mali and Niger. Uh, trips down to Belize, training the Belizean Special Action uh, Group uh, and stuff. And, and then it just sort of became clear that I was having real violence, like I... I I had busted my hands up to the point where they just weren't usable, punching walls, trucks, sea cans. It didn't matter what it was. Yep. Uh, I was always, always angry and and always losing my temper and losing my mind. And I was suffering with alcoholism pretty heavily. And, uh, and we just came down to the point where they said, you know, I mean, 
I don't even know if I can operate as a soldier anymore, but I certainly can't operate at the level that Special Forces requires. Yeah. Uh, so I got sent to Transition uh, Support Center, I guess is what it was at the time. Yeah. Um, which wasn't terribly supportive, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then, For support uh, centers, they rarely are. <laughs> yeah. And then we came to, uh, they asked, they said, we decided, you know, the doctors decided I was going to be released. Um. And they asked where I wanted to be released from, and I'm a West Coast boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is uh, from uh, Ontario, and I'd spent 15 years in pet. <laughs> Never posted anywhere else. Petawawa, my whole career. And, uh, yeah, how's that for luck, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then, uh, so I said, well, let's go to Comox. And we, uh, we came out west, and I think I had another year in out here, but I didn't, like, they were, like, uh, the, the, the sergeant major was awesome. He's like, hey. Uh, yeah, call me or come in once a week. That's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. See you later and take care of yourself. And that was that was how my last year in the army went. Just didn't even show up. Man. So that so yeah, uh, I think it was about five years, five or six okay. years between uh of, of sort of messing around and trying to get get it sorted out and just finally came to the conclusion I was as healed as I was gonna get. Uh, yep. neuroelasticity uh, in your brain decreases as you get older and i i was an old soldier i joined yep. at 32 you know so <laughs> oh man you were the old man on course you were always that oh, old yeah. man on course right 32 at basic uh 39 i think when i got into seesaw yeah yeah i was man. the oldest guy on uh on stone 33 in zangabad and <laughs> man i was it's funny i was 23 when i got in and i was the old guy there Right. Yeah. There was, there was, I think there was one or two other guys that were older than me, but it, it uh, yeah, I know what you mean about that, that anger too. Cause <clears throat> when I first recognized that things weren't right was when I got posted from one CR, I went to Meaford and right. I had a blast there. Like I was really enjoying myself. I got to work. I got to do my job. I got to be treated like an adult. I was a master corporal. Like I had a certain amount of authority. Anybody say that about Meaford. Well, the, as an instructor, it was great, man. As a recruit, it was not fun, <laughs> and I made sure of that. But uh, the the thing was is that I was still angry all the time about yeah. fucking everything. And then I was like, and "This you don't even can't... know what." Yeah, like, you don't and even know what's triggering it. Exactly. And I used to be. I would like blame the regiment, right? It'd be like one CR was horrible. This leadership fucking pissed me off today, or whatever. But I would wake up in the morning, and be angry. And I would just be like, well, fuck, it's because I got to go to work. And then by the time I got to Meaford and I was still doing it, I'm like, this ain't How right. that day where you look in the mirror and you go, oh, there's who's responsible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shit. I knew it was that. Damn it. Yeah, that exactly. That guy's an so, asshole. <laughs> so how was, how was the actual transition once you got out of the Army and started civilian um, or – Veteran life, so, I should say. I mean, the things I ran into uh, and the things that worry me about the future for guys transitioning out and, and, and becoming civilians is when you run into guys who've got brain injuries or PTSD and stuff, and they don't know how to navigate the system. And uh, so we've got, you know, we've got different entities here. You've got the, the, the transition support unit and the Canadian Forces, you've got Veterans Affairs, you've got CISIP, so you've got all these entities, and none of them communicate with each other. Um, 
none of them talk to each other, you know. I mean, it's, it's evident purely in our taxation. The fact that none of us get taxed properly and owe 15 grand every year or seven grand or eight or whatever, yep. that, that just shows you how much they don't speak to each other. And I think that that's something that needs to change. So when I went in, I had no idea what I was entitled to. Um, you know, first off, we, we all know that sort of guilt that goes along with getting out, being wounded. Um, mm-hmm. There's some survivor guilt. There's some, I don't deserve, you know, guys are way worse than me. You know, we were talking about Jody, my, our good friend Jody. You know, and I look at Jody and I'm like, Jesus Christ, Jody's missing his fucking legs. Like, yeah. What, what, what kind of shape am I in? Like, you know, uh, you know, Bobby, the dog handler who was with me when I got hurt, yeah, lost both his legs and yeah. later uh, uh, passed away, took his own life. But, but he, you know, he'd lost his legs. And I was like, I, what do I do? Right. So you don't know what you're entitled to and you don't necessarily push for what you're entitled to. Yeah. My wife being intelligence, she knows how to write bureaucratically and she knows how to research and God love her. She fought and got us every sort of everything that, I, that, that we're entitled to as, as wounded veterans. Yep. Um, but there's a lot of young guys that aren't going to be able to, right? There's a lot of young guys out there that are going to walk out and with PTSD, you have uh, concentration issues. You have uh, lack of sleep. You have that anger that we were talking about. So where do you send that anger? Now you put it towards VAC. Now you put it towards, you know, CISIP, et cetera. Um, so I know the Legion has uh, service officers, you know, mm-hmm. with, with, how, however veterans feel about the Legion. Some love it, some don't. Yep. But service officers are generally pretty good people. But I don't think that should be necessary. There should be service officers at our transition centers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> We, we put people into the transition center as staff who are yep. wounded to take care of other wounded. And how do you take care of them? Well, one of the things that should be being done before you ever leave a transition center is making sure that all your claims are in for Veterans Affairs and that you're educated on what you what you earned and what you deserve and what's coming to you. Yeah, uh, You shouldn't be walking out the door of the Army without all of that being done, you know? It's it's one of the issues. And so that was the issue I ran into was, you know, you leave and you're like, okay, well, for the next two years, I get 90% or 75% of my income. Now I got to deal with that and mm-hmm. figure out that other 15. Now I'm at 90. Well, geez, you got a 24-month sword of Damocles hanging over your head now. Uh, what What's going to happen at the end of that, right? Um, I mean, the, the best day... Sadly, that I ever had dealing with back was when I got DEC, diminished earning capacity, and I and they said to me, my worker said, this means I'm not going to be bugging you. Yeah, you're not. Walk away. You're okay. Yeah. You're you're fine. And and that's a. I still to this day, if my phone rings and back's number comes up, I start to shake and I panic, and my wife has to take the phone and she gets on the phone and says, look, stop calling him. Call me. Yeah. You freak him out when you phone him. It just, you know, the funny thing is, there's the the old um, the old adage: if you want to fix the problems in the army, talk to the corporals, because they'll just tell you how to do it. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it's it's pretty simple. Like we have courses 
for everything. Why is there not a a VAC rep course for NCOs, so mass corporals or sergeants or whatever that can take that course, be, they can have two or three of them or five of them or 10 of them in the unit, right? If you're getting out, immediately talk to that person. He's going to say, this is what you have to do, blah, 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 blah. Here's your paperwork. And you and I were talking about this uh, the other time, the other day was that like sergeants and above are much more used to doing admin. Absolutely. If you're not, if you haven't reached that rank and you're not doing a ton of admin, you're not doing all the paperwork, you know, the odd leave memo when you're a private or a corporal, right? you don't have a lot of admin to do. And, and generally, you don't even have to put a memo in for that. It's just block leave. Everybody gets it. Exactly. You know? And so, like, you're rarely doing it. And you get out by, you get out and all of a sudden VAC's like, okay, well, here's 75 pieces of paperwork. We want you to fill it out, initial it, date it, take this one to your doctor, take that one to your psychologist, take this one to your dentist, go over here with, and the privates are sitting there like. Yeah. Oh, and find a doctor. Right. Oh yeah. And then find a doctor on top of like, <laughs> which is, an, which is a, a whole yeah. other, whole other ball of worms for the military with releasing guys who are wounded into yeah. a society where there's no doctor for them. And what are you going to do? Go into the walk-in clinic, and uh, I go into the walk-in clinic, and I and I have to with explain a, with a file. <laughs> I've you know I got brain injuries. I have PTSD. I have nerve damage. I have yeah. biological shrapnel in my body. Yeah. Other people's bones. You know, yeah. like how do you explain that to a civilian doctor and a new one every time? Right. Yep. And you I, can't get to a specialist without going to see the doctor to begin with, and you can't blah blah blah. Absolutely. And it just it fucking snowballs yeah. from there. Like it, it's just yeah. bad. And, but I mean, as you, what you were saying earlier, having somebody there to like help you with the admin, that would at a minimum would be a great thing. I mean, you could, and then if you have people that are getting out that still want to stay like in, this is what I never got. Like the Americans do this pretty well, where if you're injured, you can still work, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you lose a limb or something like that, and you're still capable of, you go into an admin position. Absolutely cool the, man the like fact of the matter is, is is what do we like to preach in the army mentorship yeah well mentor somebody on their way out the door mentor them out the door back to being a civilian exactly we're very very good at building soldiers we're really shitty at building civilians mm-hmm. you know and it would be it would behoove the military this is the other thing like if you think long term it would behoove the military to uh to give the world high-functioning well-trained veterans into the world Absolutely. of business and blah 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 right because every then you get out and you're like yeah 20 years down the road and that ceo who is running this large-scale business like oh, i don't know arrowhead coffee or something like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> would that you people look and go like wow that's a veteran okay cool and that's what they get in their mind we got you len <laughs> yeah exactly there you go the uh th- it's it's that that long-term game that no one seems to be playing. And I remember when I was, when I was in and I was pissed off and bitter and angry and fucking walking around the regiment, just all my, all my NCOs would be like, you don't like it, get out. And you're like, yeah, but, but I do like it. I just don't like this. What's going on here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it's the funny thing is, is that this section leads into what we want to talk about today is that just the ability to, Put yourself first. Yes. It is so foreign to most of us that being sat down and explained, like, okay, look at this. 
you're not going to have a section commander anymore. You're not going to have a warrant. You're not going to have lieutenants doing your paperwork. You're not going to have clerks. It's on you. This is what you need to do. <laughs> da, 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 da. You suddenly are looking around for an adult and realize you're the only adult anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh-oh. I, I swear someone was going to tell me what to do. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, when you when you're conditioned to know where to be, what to be wearing, what time to be there, what you're going to do when you arrive, uh, and then all of a sudden it's it's a freedom overload. But not only is it a freedom overload, but it's a responsibility overload. Yeah. Uh, we we live a society, a microcosm of society in the military, where it's service before self, always service before self. You know. You worry about the country first, you worry about your platoon first, you worry about your squad first, you worry about your fire team partner first, and and you're last in line. And, and when you walk out the door to the Army, you have to be first in line at this point. You know, it's not optional. Now, now this is all about you. And we're not very good at taking care of you, you know. I mean, yeah. we, we've not been trained to do it well. You know, so it's. I think that it's something that the if we're going to continue to operate as a professional military, we have to recognize that that we have to have exit strategy is not just for a a, a war or a or 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 something. We need exit strategies for how to get guys back out the door when we're when we're done with them. When we finish mm-hmm. doing the job, how do we get guys back out the door and make them effective human beings because the fact of the matter is, is like you said, I 100% agree, healthy veterans are good for this country. Healthy veterans are really good for this country. They can provide leadership. They can provide experience. They can provide uh, a viewpoint that, that nobody else gets. If you, if you haven't seen, you know, Kandahar or you haven't seen Zangabad or Panjaway and you haven't seen people suffering the way they do over there, then you can't understand it. And to be able to bring that into society and, and say as a, a member of our society, hey, it's important to bring these Afghan uh, refugees here and it's important to do this stuff for them because this is what their life is like at home. Yeah, We've actually witnessed that and we've experienced it. But if you're unhealthy, it's very hard to do that, to, to fit back into this society, right? You uh, Instead of being like this, it's... it's yep. You know, where do I fit? Where do I belong? Yeah. And I think a lot of that could be probably lowered by just a better transition system. Oh, and 100%. There, there are guys it, like you and I who could be doing that. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, there I was are gonna, guys who want to stay in. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, <clears throat> it, would, it wouldn't take a lot. Um, I was talking with Mark Campbell about this at one point, and we were saying that um, what the army needs is like an out camp, right? It's like you have a boot camp to get in to learn how to be a soldier, and you need like an out camp to learn how to be a veteran because this is the other thing, and it it always irked me. I've said it so many times, and I have to really correct myself regularly, is that, you know, you say, oh, I got out, and I became a civvy, and it's like, no, (laughs) you're not, (laughs) and you, you never will be again. No. But it's also really important that the rest of the society sees veterans and they see them at with the toll it takes so that they don't forget, right? That's why we have Remembrance Day. That's why we have these right. things. And it shouldn't be reliant on, as we're saying, it shouldn't be reliant on an outside 
things, right? VAC should be basically a check mark. You get out and VAC goes, okay, you're getting out, you're entitled to this, 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 here you go, see you later, have a good life. It the the transition should be in the exit of the military, not sure. Not after. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all stuff that should be done before you before your last day, you know? Yeah. Before you leave the gate. Uh yeah. and, and I mean back Back is a culture, unfortunately, of denial, um, you know, and it should be a culture of belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a veteran walks in the door and says, hey, this is wrong with me, it should not be a question of, okay, go prove it. It should be, okay, then let's get you some treatment, and then we'll talk to your treatment team and see, you know, where, you're where this stems from and where you're at. But yeah. instead, you walk in the door and you say, well, this is what's wrong with me, and they go, yeah, well, prove it. Go find yeah. me a doctor. You go find me a doctor. You go find a psychiatrist. You go find a, and that's all stuff that should have been done before you walked out the door. You, yeah. The army shouldn't be done with you till you are. I mean, they make a commitment to us to not put us into combat until we're as fit as we can be to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, in the best, set you up for success. Well, they're not setting you up for success when they let you go, and that's for me. It's a concern. I, I and I think that. I had hoped when I saw the us doing the sort of switch deputy deputy minister of veterans affairs was going to be the minister of national defense and vice versa. And I was like, Hey, here's a start. They're going to be able to communicate, but they don't, <laughs> you know, it still didn't work. It, they still don't talk to each other. They still don't, uh, they still don't work towards a common goal. And the common goal should be healthy veterans walking out the door. We're as yeah. healthy as we can get them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's, you know, I think one thing that our training system doesn't quite do well enough is getting us to recognize what we're actually worth. Yeah. Like, you're you're told throughout all your training that you're a bag of shit and you're fucking horrible and blah, 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 <laughs> blah, and you can't do anything right until you graduate, and then you're like, huzzah, you're a soldier now, right? <laughs> yeah. We don't take Here's enough time to... Right? <laughs> but we don't take enough time to really bring home the point that you are now a finely tuned fucking uh, tool that can be used for basically anything, especially in the engineers. I mean, just the amount of jobs that you can do and be tasked out with. It's insane. And (laughs) yeah, no, we get to the, you know, we get to a regiment and they're like, all right, fucking Sprague, get your ass over here and you're treated like shit and you're fucking, you know, welcomed to the unit <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Aged into the unit. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, we'll call it whatever we want to call it. But, yeah. um, but there, there's there's a there, there's not enough point where they say, you know what, you're actually worth something. I think once during, well, I think I was on my fives course, they're like, just so you guys know, you were like a $330,000 tool that has been yeah. fucking hardened and sharpened over the last four years. And we were all like, huh. <laughs> I, have, I have some value. <laughs> all right. Okay. Cool. All right. But, yeah, you get out and you you have no value again. You're just, I'm just yeah. chance at that point, right? I'm not Master yeah. of Burles. It's not me anymore. And I'm so sitting I, at home with a five-month-old baby going. Now what? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do with my hand, right? I'm, <laughs> it's, uh, you had a Ricky Bobby challenge. that thing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And and then to to recognize like 
oh right, I am still worth something, right? right. Because e even with the uh, the title, you know, DEC, your diminished earnings capacity, or your uh, disabled veteran, or like whatever, right? You're still you still have value and you still have worth. You just have to be kind of shown it. <laughs> A well, couple of times. Yeah, and you have to learn to recognize it yourself, and you have to start to have some self-worth, you know. Uh, a lot of guys get out, and I know I did for, <clears throat> Jesus, it was it was a couple of years of beating myself up. I'm not, if I can't be a soldier, then what the fuck good am I? And, you know, if I can't be, you know, uh, you know, part of this team, I had a, in Zangabad, it was, it was, it was a, a privileged position for me. I was on a, a team of uh, special Forces Operators, combined with American Green Berets. And for me, that's that, that was a, a real privilege and an honor to be in such a rarefied company. And then to get out and be like, well, now what am I? Now what do I do, you know? Well, I mean, here I am now 10 years post-explosion, and what I am is a uh, a good husband. And uh, hopefully a good dad to my two daughters. They're both grown and moved out. But um, a guy who loves his dogs and who tries to help out other vets, other vets whenever I can. Um, you know, I, I invested a bunch of time and effort and energy into getting about 21 uh, Afghan refugees into Vancouver in the last few months. Uh, th that was they worked for us in Afghanistan. Three of them did, and. Actually, the three that worked for us were all directly related, family-wise, to the interpreter who helped carry me to the HLZ when I was wounded. You know, so I mean, I, I had a big connection there, and that's that's the sort of that's the things that start to make you feel like, oh, wait a second, this is who I am. This is I'm still the same guy. I just don't have a uniform anymore, and I don't have a gun anymore. Yep. And and that's okay because. A uniform and a gun only gets you so far. It's the heart, and it's the it's the heart and the uh, attitude and the training and the desire and 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 all of that 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 made you who you were in uniform. You're the same person out of uniform. It's just different clothes, yep. <laughs> you know. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's it, hard it, for young guys to pick up. Oh yeah, especially when you you grow up wanting to do one thing right like i wanted to be i have a picture of myself when i was like four in a uh, olive drab sweater that said army across the front <laughs> like that's everything i wanted to be and right. yeah as soon as you get out you 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 really have no direction yes. and you've spent your entire career in the military this is the other part of it where you you spent this whole time in ranking against each other right you're always comparing and looking at each other and saying, okay, well, that guy has this course and that course needs things. So he's going to be on that. He's going to be this guy, whatever. Like you're always compared to and, each other and swimming in a pool full of alphas. Yeah, right? like exactly. The, so you want to be like, all right, you know, I can do, I can do one more like that. I'm going to yeah. do one more. Like you're always pushing yourself that, that little bit. But when you get out that same recognition, that same thought process devalues yourself constantly. Right. Cause like you said 100%. earlier, Oh, that guy's missing his legs. I like I got nothing to complain about, yeah. but you, you, was, you know, as well as I do that you can drown in two feet of water as far as seven or 20. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Like, it takes what, like two tablespoons to drown in. So really, Absolutely. it, the, uh, uh, yeah, it's funny. Cause you, you sort of talk about wanting to, this is what you wanted to do your whole life. When I was about nine, I grew up in Manitoba, uh, until I was about 13 and I moved to the West coast and our farm flooded. 
every year. Uh, and if it was a really bad year, it was huge flooding. And uh, the last year, I remember it being really bad. Red River floods, uh, PBCLI and, uh, and engineers came out from Winnipeg and uh, just filled thousands of sandbags and saved our farm. And, and I, from then on, I wanted to be a soldier from like nine years old. Yeah. And uh, I got to British Columbia at 13 and I joined cadets and I did cadets for years until I was 19. Uh, and then life sort of got in the way, right? And that, there was girls and then kids and then and jobs. And I was a professional mm-hmm. diver. Uh, I got a thousand hours underwater at least probably, you know, uh, I used to dive for a living. And then 9-11 happened and I was like, that's it. I'm not doing yep. this crap anymore. I gotta, I gotta go for that dream that I had when I was eight. You know that 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 service before self had always been in the back of my head, and and uh, the opportunity came, and and that's where I went. And to make it, I mean, I remember being a cadet and being like, uh, Jesus, I think Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen came out. Yep. <laughs> and I was yep. like, those guys are cool as hell, right? <laughs> and to wind up being in the uh, in the soft community. Uh, when I left the military was, yeah, that was the pinnacle, right, for yep. me to be able to get there. And uh, and when you walk out the door then, yeah, you're like, this was all I ever wanted to be. Now, what goal do I have now, right? Yep. I, I, I reached what was the pinnacle of what you were looking for. Now where do you go? Well, you have to find new pinnacles, right? You have to find new new mountains to climb. And uh, yeah. for some guys, that's mountain climbing, literally. <laughs> for other guys, it's flying. For other guys, yep. it's, you know, jumping out of airplanes. Some guys, uh, and some guys start things like, uh, you know, warrior adventures and uh, and start helping out other vets and and doing what they can in those ways, right? Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's really great to see. Like, I, I love the fact that the community is coming together and that we're, we're finally, after so many years of strife, we're finally like, okay, you know what? The rest of this stuff doesn't matter. We're all coming together. We're all, and I've said this many times that we ha- we're in the middle of this like veteran renaissance where we have people just doing everything: artists, uh, uh, blacksmiths, friggin' coffee makers, uh, clothing designers, fuck it, like you name it, right? Business businesses left right and center and people are just doing whatever the fuck they want and it's fantastic to see and then we also have all the nonprofits getting started right like war adventure canada like the uh the walk for veterans like the walk for wounded like the fuck like yeah. all these things i'll get it's a fantastic true patriot love they were true patriot uh, love, yeah. they were amazing to me but yeah yeah they've it's 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 fantastic to see and i i can't wait to see where we're going but what kind of what the question I ask is like how far forward could we have been if it didn't take every one of us like six, seven years of fucking work? Exactly. <laughs> like if we could exactly. have gotten out and been like, okay, I'm going to go over all there. All this incredible potential that you're seeing now, uh, all of these, these skilled people embracing their new life yeah. are all, uh, you know, six, five and six and seven and sometimes 10 and even 20 years behind where they should be because they weren't properly released, you know? Uh, 
and that's that's a personal opinion, right? I mean, when I say yeah. properly released, that's just my personal opinion. Is that is that we have not done a good job of of letting people go and and making sure that when they go out the door, they're as fit as they can be. You know, we made them as fit as we could be for combat. Make them as fit as we can be for the civilian world uh, to go out and embrace their 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 dreams or their hopes, right? Yeah. When I walked into the uh, support center in Petawawa for the first time, and I sat down with the SISIP guy, and he said, uh, he's the, the re-education guy, he says, when did you graduate high school? I said, uh, 87. He says, Jesus, okay, well, that's stale, David. I said, yeah. He says, when did you graduate college? I said, ah, I don't know, probably 91, 92. Yeah, that's, that's stale. And what did you do in the Army? And I said, well, I was a signaler and, and seesaw. And he says, so... Radio, you can run radios on a gun. I don't know what the heck you're going to do on, on the other side. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah that's really a lot of jobs with that job description. You know, you're yeah. you're terribly helpful that you're pointing this out, by the way. But yeah, you know, like, yeah. It just that that was that was my entrance into the transition system. Them pretty mm-hmm. much saying, "Hey, listen, all the skill sets you have don't mean shit now." And I was like, "Wow, that's not that's not the <laughs> message that we should be giving guys." Yeah. You know, we should be kinds of message that, hey, you are going to be 10 minutes early for everything you do in your life. You've got innate leadership skills. You're a guy who, when I tell you to start digging a hole, I have to come back and tell you to stop, or otherwise you'll just keep digging. Yep. You know, like you you have certain things that, that, that they drilled into you and that they, they created in you that are useful as hell outside of the military. Yeah. Instead of emphasizing those things, what I got out of it was, uh, oh, well, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> you know, pick something new then. Uh, pick a new direction. And I was, that was, that was around when uh, the neuropsych testing started to say, yeah, he can't go back to school. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, there was no way I was going to be able to ma- retain anything at school. So. <laughs> it's yeah. funny because it, it really is that simple, right? Like, just tell the guys that they actually are have worth they have value in the real world timings like yeah. just that one <laughs> i still to this day get so pissed off when people aren't on aren't on time and i'm like what my fucking time's not valuable to you <laughs> yeah yeah and like i have i have two kids so i'm late all the time and it drives me nuts just because my kids are young and they, it takes a while and I yeah. should be getting them ready earlier. Right. But I'm doing the math and trying to get everybody. Okay. I got to get this guy here and this guy here. And that guy no longer has pants on. Why do you not have pants on? <laughs> like it just, it becomes, <laughs> becomes a bit of an issue. But even with that, if I'm going to be late, I'm going to let somebody like, Hey, I'm going to be late. Yes. I'm going to be like, yeah. just blah, blah, blah. Right? Just that ability to be, to be able to concentrate on time and be aware of it is a skill yeah. set that, a lot of people don't have, and then most of the civilian world doesn't have. It's, 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 right. So the, the things that we, some of the things that we do get taught, are the things that drive us nuts when we get up to the city world, and we're like, "What the hell is wrong with these people?" Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. <know>? But, <laughs> there's nothing <sighs> wrong with them. They're just different than yeah. us. And you know, wow. it, I, I heard this quote. Uh, I was listening to the, the Jocko podcast at one point, and he was saying that you have to be in the right. You can hear something a million times, but you have to be in the right mindset to be able to hear it and actually grasp it and then take it in. And so a lot of the times there's been many years where I was sitting there like, man, I wish I had known this fucking 10 years ago. I wish I had known all these 
leadership lessons and uh, self-awareness lessons and all the lessons that I've learned over like dealing with my trauma and all this other shit. Yep. I had just known this like 10 years ago, but people were trying to tell me 10 years ago. <laughs> I remember, right. Yeah. right? I remember very well having uh, people ask me if I wanted to be on the dive course at the, with the engineers. And I was like, no, I want to be an engineer. I like explosives. I don't want to go swimming right. in the water. And they were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. But I wanted to be a jumper. And had I known that if I was a diver, I was more likely to get a jump course than right. maybe. I, but again, it like yeah. I wasn't ready at the time to actually understand that lesson. And it wasn't yeah. until six, seven years down the road where I put it all together. <laughs> and, that's, and that's sort of, I mean, that to me, that, that, that brings up an interesting sort of idea for, for operations like that is, yeah, it's great to go out and hire more caseworkers, you know, because I recognize that, you know, they're working on uh, benefit claims from uh, 1918 or 1920 <laughs> now. I don't know, but, you know, they're... I think they're a little bit you know, more up to date, but, but something like a little that. more up to date, but, you know, they're, <clears throat> you know, they're doing claims from the SOM, but... Uh, why aren't when we're looking at hiring all these people? Why aren't we hiring four or five dozen veterans who have been through the system and who understand what you're entitled to and stuff like that? And having them be able to help vets, sort of just like this on camera, even just to say, okay, so here's what you need to fill out in order to get this claim or in order to get this benefit, you know, you want VIP, here's what you have to do, you know, and, and that you're entitled to VIP in the first place. Because when you talk to your caseworker, some of them are very good, but some of them just don't, they, they've got so many veterans on their plate. They don't have time, I guess, it seems like, to explain to you what all you're entitled to. Like you're yeah. supposed to go figure that out on your own, you know, and, <clears throat> When you've got guys with PTSD and traumatic brain injuries, good luck figuring yeah. that out on their own. You know, I get, yeah. you know, Cope Wilson's one of my best friends in the world, and he's a soft, so JTAC, and, you know, they've invested a couple million dollars into him. And, uh, and when he got out, he didn't know what he was entitled to at all. And I was like, you know, this is a smart cat. He's a, he's a smart dude, but, but because he's got, some of the same traumas as we have, he doesn't concentrate well enough to be able to, you know, so that's a, a situation where because it's a friend, I'm there to be able to say, hey, let's let's help lead you this direction. Let's get you here. And I think yeah. that that's something that VAC could be, could be looking at doing, right? I mean, they shuffle it off to the Legion volunteers instead. Well, and this is, you know, I was thinking, again, thinking about this earlier, they, they, we shouldn't have to have all these other things, right? This, this mm -hmm. is the, that's what the VA should, that's their job. Absolutely. That, that's <laughs> the whole reason you exist. Right? <laughs> the fact that there are service officers in the Legion as a position, it just, yep. that, that, that shouldn't be happening. No. The, the VA should be taken care of. That's their fucking job. I mean, it's job. great that the Legion does pick up that slack. Absolutely. Why? Absolutely. Why are they doing it? You know? Like yeah. when we talk about true patriot love or or warrior adventures and stuff, it's it's great that that these guys exist, but it would be oh, even yeah. better if they didn't have to. Yeah, exactly. You know? like, yeah. But the again, you know, these things could be 
they're what was it they they handed back like a billion dollars or something like that last year two years ago something like that why can't that money just like fund warrior adventure canada yes bang now it's a vac run program they just basically hands off you guys do whatever right but it's enabled to run and it continues to go and all these things it just it blows my mind that we're not actually utilizing what we have in the system that for some reason <laughs> doesn't want well, to get and it. I, and I actually know the, the president of one of the major organizations who was meeting with one of the highest ranking officers in the, in the military one day. And the officer said to him, we need you to just stop. We're not going to give you any support. We're not going to provide support to, uh, to any of your big uh, fundraising events and stuff. And, and he said, I don't, I, I wish that I could stop. I wish you didn't need me to do this. But the, at the end of the day, you're not taking up the slack. So yep. don't support me. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyhow. You know? And and that was the attitude that was coming down from, from command level to a civilian agency filling a niche that, that D&D and VAC have both failed to fill. You know? Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like, this is new. It's not like nobody knows. Forty thousand of us went to Afghanistan for Christ's sake, you know. Yeah. And and uh, I mean, Jesus, I was there in '08 and '09 uh, with General Thompson, and I'm pretty sure the number was about thirty-eight ramp ceremonies. Yeah. With the task force commander, uh, we spent we did seventeen thousand kilometers on his lav in that in that time because thompson was not a guy who who liked calf he wanted yeah. to be out with the troops all the time so every time somebody was hit we would be doing the runs back in and we'd go to the ramp ceremony and that alone takes a toll you know yeah. so you can have people who who were on staff in in the cashier's cage who are messed up because they went and watched 38 of our brothers and sisters get loaded on planes yeah so it's not, this is not a goddamn surprise to anybody that we were going to come down with with this sort of psychological yeah. trauma at the end of a, a fourteen year war in the desert. You know. Yep. I I just I, I'm still some days blown away that that it's required. I'm I'm so happy that there are organizations like Wounded Warriors and stuff, but I just wish to God that we didn't need them. I wish yeah. that we did it right in the first place. You know. Oh, 100%. But, this, and again, these are lessons. This is... Lessons um, learned. <laughs> lessons learned, absolutely. And this is... Um, I was talking to an American buddy of mine, and he was like, you know, we had a Vietnam. <clears throat> we had a we had an entire war where people came home and they weren't taken care of. Yeah. And the VA system is by no means better right now. <laughs> but the war has been going on long enough that the changes have been made. Right. So now it's getting better. And I yes. think, unfortunately for us, I mean, both fortunately and unfortunately, was the war wasn't long enough. And so we have the uh, we have leadership who's in who's in place now, who's there. Not not that they're bad people, but there are a lot of people got out. Right. Yes. So the, it became slim pickings on who you're going to grab. And uh, I was reading something the other day where. It was kind of silly. I think it was a <clears throat> it was a quote from somewhere, but it was like the the army needs to lean into these challenges challenges instead of retreating from retreating into retirement. And I was like, 
did they just call the entire NCO Corps cowards? Is that what happened? <laughs> the guys that released, you're just you're just throwing them under the bus, are you? Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Um, uh, but it's it's about you know actual leadership because leadership's going to look at what's going to happen in the future. Oh, we have guys in Afghanistan. Maybe we should develop a way to handle them when they get back. Yeah, exactly. Who would want and, to do something like that? Is this the last war we're going to be in? Right. Well, I don't know. Russia's sitting on the doorstep of Ukraine right now, and, <laughs> and China wants Taiwan back pretty badly. So, yeah. you know, is this is this our last hurrah? No, it's not our last hurrah. It, it, it's very difficult. It's uh, I talk to young guys now, and it's difficult for them because they don't have – I mean, I was never in a military at peace. I joined in 2002 after 9-11, and when I left uh, – Cecil was still in Iraq, yeah. you know. So, uh, so I've I've never been in a peacetime army, and and I I feel for the young guys I talk to who are like, well, you know, what have I ever got to look forward to? There's no deployments. You know, what am I? Go I'm going to Latvia, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, but be patient because yeah. it, it'll happen again. It, it's, it's 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 human nature to to fight and. And and that's something we're going to have to do. And I hope to God that maybe we learn some lessons off of this one. Hopefully. But I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest lesson that I took from all of it, right? So I grew up Southern Alberta in a country, in the city, back to the country, back to the city. Like I, I was kind of all over the place. And everything I saw growing up was that your value <clears throat> as a as a man was determined by the amount of work you could do. So someone that, you know, does a job and volunteers and does this and goes dancing with his wife and takes blah, 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 right? That's a very valuable human being, right? Because he's constantly putting out work. Yeah. But I re what I realized over time was that <clears throat> your value is not actually defined by your work. It is not determined by your work at all. Your value is determined by how you value yourself. So if you don't value yourself and you get out of the military and everyone that you've talked to along the way out says, good luck. Yeah. You're, you yeah, don't exactly. have much value. No, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. We, we come out the door of the army, uh, feeling often like you failed, right? Like if you've been medically released, uh, you know, I mean, you've been, uh, weighed and measured and found wanting, you know, and yep. uh, I, I certainly never wanted to be carried off the field of battle. And that's what happened. Uh, and it, it, you know, it, uh, it, it sat with me for a very, very, very long time and still does on occasion. When I see my friends, I talk to my friends who are still, you know, at the regiment and they're still doing the job. And I'm like, Oh man, I feel like shit because I'm not that guy anymore. Yeah. But, you know, uh, you have to sort of, one of the things we have to try to do in that, in that transferring of guys to being civilians is to make them understand that that's not a, that's not an indicator of you. It's not a reflection of you that you were, that you were hurt. People get hurt. The odds are, uh, you know, when I stood on Vimy Ridge and I, at the, the memorial and I looked down the hill, um, in, uh, in 2003, I was on leave from Afghanistan with my wife. We were both uh, on Roto Zero. Um, that's where I know Jody from to start yeah. with. But uh, 
and looking down that hill and thinking, Jesus, the Canadians ran up that. Yeah. The, the numbers, the odds that said you were going to not survive that unscathed were astronomical. So in 14 years in Afghanistan, the odds that you weren't going to come out of it unscathed were fairly high. They weren't that kind of high, but they were high. Yeah. And you have to recognize that that was the task that was set before you was to, you know, to try to first off, get the Taliban out. Second off, get the government into position that was fair and engage in fair elections and, you know, make all these changes and then set the stage for the Afghan military to be able to take care of itself. We saw how that worked out, but, you know, but, but at the end of the day, that was the job. And, and there was no way that we were coming out of that unscathed. And, yeah. and so when guys go to leave the military, they need to be, I think it would, it would do well for the military or for VAC or for our society as a whole to be letting guys know as they're going out the door that you are not worth less now because you were hurt. You are not uh, devalued. You didn't put in less. You, uh, you know, your sacrifice was important and, and recognized and appreciated. And now you're changed and, and let us help you get to the next stage of your life, right? The next bound. Yeah. You know, and I mean, we're always talking about, yeah, that's what's that next bound, right? And yeah. We don't, we don't help guys figure that out before they leave. And that's the trick, right? Like we, I remember when I was in was there was this feeling that you were taking advantage, right? If you were to accept anything, anything, yes. you were taking advantage, right? And you'd look at other people who would have stuff, they would get out and they would get DEC or get whatever, and they'd get yep. some sort of payout and be like, fuck, man, look at that guy. Fuck. Trying to abuse the system, right? So you, you still have this right? mentality as you go out of, you know, you, you can't take something for yourself. I don't deserve <laughs> The truth this. is, the truth is, is that you can. And you, yes. you should because, A, in generations of other veterans have fought just for your right to have those benefits. Exactly. And on top of that, you you get you got to do the job, right? Not everybody can. Not everybody should, but you got to do it. You went through exactly. all the training, you kicked ass, you took names, you got there. Awesome. You did it yeah. and now you deserve it. And then the last part of it is is they're there. <laughs> right? They're, they're there, there for a reason. Yeah, the government has spent that money. The government has decided that that money is 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 in that system, uh, and it was very difficult for me to swallow. You know, uh, coming out, I put in put in claims. I lost half my hearing. I had the brain damage. So I put in claims for that, and you get the lump sum claim amount. But then when it came down to, uh, okay, so here's what you're going to get for a pension. Here's what you're going to get monthly. Here's what you're, and I was like. Ah, but I don't work now. How, how do I take this money? I'm only, you know, I'm 51 now, but at the time I was like 46. I'm like, I can't be retired at 46. There's no way. This is yep. wrong. Yep. Yeah, well, it's 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 not wrong. What it is is it's unplanned. It wasn't part of the plan, you know. But yep. uh, no good plan survives first contact. You know? 100%. And, 
and I got in contact, and the plan went to shit. So, you know, here you go. This is the new plan. The new plan is I'm retired. Uh, I have as much health as I can hope to have out of it. Um, yeah. And what what do you do with the days that you have after? And when we were talking about, you know, helping guys get out and how they should feel about themselves or helping maybe guys understand that they should be be gentler on themselves, that it's a it's it's one thing for you and I to say, hey, maybe the army should do that or VAC should do that. But it has to be a long term thing too, because yeah. as you said, when you were in, you didn't want to hear the the answers, right? Mm-hmm. It's when you've been out a while that's when you need somebody who's got some experience and got good shoulders for you to lean on and has got good advice for you to, to be able to sit with you and say, okay, now you've stopped punching sea cans and walls. Now you've got your, you know, now you've got your feet out of your combat boots for a year or two. Yep. Let's have a talk about your value. Let's have a talk about what you deserve out of life, what you've earned, uh, let's have a talk about the things that 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 you brought with you coming out of this, right? Those and that that I think that's where things like Warrior Adventures and and your podcast and and the other podcasts that are out there that's where they they hold real value is for the guys who've been out a couple of years and who are now willing to listen. Yeah, they're now able to listen, not just willing, now able to listen. Yeah. Because it's very hard to listen when sometimes when you're in the army. There's so much fucking background noise, and there's so much chest thumping, and there's so much, yep. you know, there's so much uh, when's the next tour and yep. what did you do on your last tour and blah, 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 that yep. you don't you don't listen, right? Yeah. Once you get out, get into some quiet. Yeah, you need a good couple of months of just, like, yeah. just let me breathe. Like, <laughs> yeah. just need to, like, and stop. Yeah. And after that, that's when you can have another veteran or or, or a service like VAC or an offshoot of D&D or whatever yeah. sit with you and say, okay, now, here's the start of the rest of your life. Let's, yeah. let's help you through this. Let's figure this out, right? You know, I had this, uh, I had this great idea. I was talking with another buddy of mine, um, and I was like, why don't we have some sort of service center in the units like you know how back in the day you your unit would have its own cook or it would have it like its own its own ko so when it went out to the field bam they would all cook for you right you used to have your own medic you used to have your own blah, blah, like everything was in-house yeah and i was like why don't we have a massage therapist psychologist like psychiatrist like a whole crew of teams and then like two or three vets that have been out for a little while there to do just general fucking talks, right? And just Absolutely. give them a fucking office in the regiment. And yeah. if people want to go talk to them, people can talk to them. If the vets go to the canteen or whatever, to fucking shoot the shit with the boys, cool. Like, it just allow people and, to be people. And they're not in your chain of command. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the best things about Seesaw was that we had our own shrink, our own uh, 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 muscle massage therapist, our own physiotherapists it was all self-contained and so you could have that i think that it would have done well and i mean when i was in the regiment was still in its infancy you know it was still it was still very new and learning 
Yeah. I was one of the first guys in the unit wounded. So it was, it's a, it was a learning curve, you know, but I think that that's a great idea. Having a couple of vets, uh, as I don't know, a sort of peer support mentor. Yeah. Like uh, a liaison peer, team. Yeah. You know, for guys, for guys who are looking to get out or who are going to be getting out. I mean, when you talked about having a, a, a boot camp, an exit camp, that, I think that's a that's an outstanding idea. If you had uh, it, a cycle starting every couple of months on base, every two months they start a cycle, and it's a two-month cycle. And so anybody who's getting out within this time frame shows up on this cycle, and they, for the next two months, belong to this course. Yep. And it doesn't have to be in uniform, no, no marching NCOs, none of that shit, because they're guys who are hurt and, and have psych issues and stuff. Yep. But it's just a group of guys with which you can head forward to a common goal. Being a civilian, you've got a common goal, you've got a team, you're together, and and you can together be educated on what your benefits are. Uh, and, and, and that was supposed to be what the scan seminars and stuff were yeah. about. But it was just, it was the scan seminar was four hours long, boring as hell, and death by PowerPoint. Yeah, you know? and it was usually filled with NCOs, and the yeah. privates never got them. And like, exactly, you yeah. know, you know, the guy who's been in for twenty eight years and who's getting out to go back to his farm. What's he need yeah. a scan seminar for? You know, but yeah, the young private who has forty more years in the workforce. You know, yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, there's all kinds of issues out there, and you can't. Unfortunately, when you're dealing with bureaucracy, you know, yeah. move slowly. Yep. Moves very, yeah, it very slowly. So it's all about patience. I heard, uh, there's this quote that I love and, uh, it, I use it all the time. It's from the movie. You ever see the movie spirit? The, the horse movie? Yes. I have daughters. <laughs> yes. Okay. So <laughs> in that movie, there's a line, it's the cavalry, uh, Colonel, or whatever. And he's talking about breaking horse and he's like time, discipline, and patience are the three great levelers. And I just thought it was so fucking perfect. And I've used it for the rest of my life. I will use this again. But if you allow enough yep. time with enough patience and enough discipline, you will meet your goal. You have to have Absolutely. a goal first. <laughs> I think you know, we that's, struggle with that's that a bit. That's one of the biggest. That is, that is one of the things we stumble on, for sure. Another another point is goal setting. Uh, and we we don't teach goal setting soldiers very often. I mean... They, you can teach it in, or guys will have goals like para, I want to go on a jump course. I want yeah. to go to Seesaw. I want to go to JTF2. I want to go whatever. But and, and those are the guys you see working out religiously at the gym and stuff. But goal setting for, uh, for the civilian world is something that's entirely different. And it's something that, that we're not used to. Um, and, and particularly the guys with PTSD and stuff, generally suck at it you know when i set a goal when i set a goal now it's like this and unachievable yep. and then i beat myself up because i couldn't get there yep and and that's a cycle right yep. so you, you you have to learn to set set a goal that's achievable and move toward it and then and then advance it but in, instead what we do is you know i want to be here and when you're injured man getting there is not happening and then you yeah. beat yourself up because you didn't get there. And, yeah. And you it, get into you know, a cycle of self-abuse. 
It really is. And nobody knows how to kick our ass like we do. Oh, right? yeah. we, we know all our own <laughs> buttons. We know all the things to say. We know all the, it's just, yeah, it, you're I right. I myself up worse than the Taliban do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Every day, all day long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's brutal. So we've been rolling for a little bit over an hour now, and I just yep. I really want to say thank you for being on. It has been an it's absolute been an pleasure honor. having you here. It's um, been an honor, it, man. I'm uh, this, this is the first podcast I've ever done. Oh, nice. So there you go. I was a virgin, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's I'm 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 proud of what you're doing, man. I'm I'm really impressed, and and I love what you're doing, and I I gotta echo you. I'm so happy to see uh you know when you get on the uh start following on instagram and stuff and you see how many veterans are out there just doing huge great things these days it just brings me hope and uh and it feels good i'm i'm really it gives me some positive hope for the future you know yeah so yeah I, i i totally get it and you know the whole reason i got involved in all of this stuff was when i when i got out and i was going through all my the issues and i was looking at the veteran community and i was like yeah i don't know if i really want to get involved in this mm-hmm. and then uh and i was like you know what there in my head there was this paragon from fucking jtf was going to come down the hill some assaulter fucking dun, 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 we're here to fix everything <laughs> boys follow me right yeah and i was like somebody somebody's going to come down from the hill and tell us what to do and then i think it was like a year or two later i was like i don't think anybody's coming <laughs> So I better start getting to work. There's, there's that patch, right? Nobody's yeah. coming. It's up to us. And yeah, that's, exactly. And that's, and that's the motto. That has to be our new motto. Nobody's yeah. coming. It's up to us. This yeah. is uh, what you're doing, and and like the tactical Knock battle group group of businesses and 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 stuff. It's it's the the new option from the Smoky Legion. You know, where you're sitting yep. at the Smoky table in the Legion from the from the 80s and 90s uh this is this is the new legion in a lot of ways yeah. this is a way that the guys communicate and support each other and care for each other and uh and nobody else is coming it's up to us right that's so. it 100 percent. and you know uh there's something that we have as a group of veterans that no other group of veterans has ever had in the history of the universe at this point and that's a communication network that spans the entire fucking globe. Absolutely. Like, as you said, it. we don't need the Legion, or we, I don't say we don't need the Legion, but we don't need the smoky oh. Legion hall getting beers. Yeah. We can sit and chat or we can listen. I can talk to American vets. I can talk to Kiwi vets. I can talk to freaking Ukrainian vets. It doesn't matter. I can just. Yeah. And you have a, yeah. a whole world in your hand, right? And, yep. and that's a world of support that's in your hand. Yep. And that exactly. would be probably the last point I'd make to you when you were asking about transition and stuff. Research, boys and girls, research. There are groups out there on Reddit. There are groups on Instagram. There are all kinds of vets out there like me who are pushing themselves into your face. uh, And reach out to somebody. Do some research. Pick a veteran and say, hey, do you know anything about X? And if yep. they don't, they'll very likely say no. But I know somebody who does. Hang on, <laughs> link you in, right? And and when you walk out the door to the army, if the army's not going to take care of you, and if Veterans Affairs isn't going to hand it to you on a platter, uh, then you're required to do it yourself. 
then enlist some fire team partners. Because yeah. that's the one thing we're all good at. It's the one thing we all remember how to do is uh, service before self. So reach out and ask somebody for some help. Yeah. Yeah. I always say first thing, the best thing to do is get involved. Absolutely. Just find something, get involved in it, and it'll show you where you need to go. And I mean, I got it tattooed on my wrist. The obstacle is the way, right? If something yep. is blocking your path, figure out what it is, and then it, move on. Like it just go over it, through it, or under it, or around it. Exactly. Or, you know, blow it up, whatever. Or blow it up. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, brother. It has been just fantastic chatting with you, and uh, we'll see you next time, all right? Well, thanks for the opportunity. Take care. Chimo. That concludes this episode of The Toolbox. I really appreciate y'all listening. It has been my pleasure bringing you this awesome guest. If you like what you heard, please like, share, subscribe, and do all that awesome stuff. And I hope you can use some of the information that was offered. To all those putting on the line every day, first responders, military, veterans, civil servants, you guys are keeping us safe and keeping the country running. I really appreciate y'all. Hope to see you next time. Till then, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. Shimon.